Well, Australian house prices might be down on last year, but they are heading back up again. The question is, how much further will they go? I mean, the recovery has already started to slow. But then, are we expecting too much this time? When we had that massive post-COVID recovery, so what are the lasting impacts that COVID, inflation and rising interest rates will have had on the Australian property market? We'll look at that on this first edition of the weekend edition of The Morning Call from NAB. The Morning Call from NAB with Phil Dobby. Weekend edition. Yes, this is a new addition to the weekly podcast calendar, but it is very different to the weekday edition of the Morning Call podcast. It doesn't come from the NAB research team to start with. You'll hear lots of views from outside the bank, so obviously that means the observations and opinions won't always reflect those of NAB, but we're here to hear them, and we are going to delve down each week on one particular topic, starting with house prices. That's a safe bet, isn't it? Always of interest to practically the entire population of Australia, so it seemed like a good place to start. And CoreLogic, uh, of course we just had the RBA this week, and CoreLogic released their latest home value index this week as well. And it rose for the fifth month in a row, even though the rate of growth might actually be slowing, house prices are still getting higher. And now they might be down on where they were a year ago, but not for much longer it seems. Eliza Owen is CoreLogic's Head of Residential Research for Australia. So, Eliza, I mean, we are seeing a rebound, but it's a rebound on a rebound, isn't it? I mean, prices were down last year because of inflation fears as they grew, but they were down in 2020 because of the pandemic. But, I mean, they were also down in 2018. So, I mean, it's not just the pandemic and inflation. There is a cycle, obviously, and the bounce back historically seems to be bigger than the dip. Hence, we have this upward momentum, but maybe not this time. What do you reckon? Yeah, good day, Phil. Um It is a fairly strong rebound, but as you say, it is slowing. So the home value index is up 4.1% now from a low in February, and that had come off the back of a 9.1% fall, which in turn had come off the back of uh, about a 28% rise nationally. So overall, home values nationally are sitting about 17% higher than where they were at the onset of COVID. But as you say, the upswings in the Australian housing market have broadly been larger and longer than downswings. So uh, over time, it is sort of gradually getting higher. Um, I'd say given that much of the housing market growth through the 2010s was probably supported by structurally low interest rates, that's a little bit uncertain for the years ahead. Um, obviously, we're not getting back to 0.1% uh, and and probably not a lower cash rate until late next so year. So that is the big question, isn't it? What happens from here? And also, you know, obviously it hits different parts of the property market in, in different ways. So a lot of the those cycles, I mean, a lot of it has been driven by the more expensive end of the property market, hasn't it, for, for whatever reason? Yeah, the high end of the market tends to be more volatile. So you get higher highs and lower lows. Uh, at the moment, we've seen pretty strong growth against the high end of the market, uh, but also a little bit of a decline in momentum that's broader than what we've seen overall as well. So how much of it is interest rates then? Is it Because uh, it's interesting that we've got the situation where prices are still rising, even though interest rates are rising. But of course, you know, in the United States, they've got this issue where you take out a mortgage for 30 years. In Australia, a lot of people, you know, their interest rate is whatever it is. Uh, You know, there's not people taking out fixed loans. So are people just thinking, well, okay, interest rates are going to come down. 
Uh, prices are, you know, probably the best they're going to be now for quite a while. There's a danger that they're going to go back up again. I'm just going to ride the storm and assume interest rates will come down at some point. Is that? I mean, that that whole fear of missing out thing that uh, we, we know is, you know, propping up quite a bit of the the, the uh, property market, particularly in the capital cities, particularly in Sydney. It's such a good point. I think that psychology is quite a bit to do with the rebound that we've seen in home values. Um, so that high portion of variable lending in Australia, as you say, and relatively short fixed loan terms, I think does lend our market to more sensitivity to house price expectations. Um, And, you know, even looking at the home value index data or the ABS lending data, even though markets weren't expecting the RBA to be done with rate hikes in March, that's when we started to see an increase in values in borrowing. So people really betting on longer term capital growth rates that come with reduced rates down the line and potentially willing to cop higher interest costs in the short term. I think there are other factors that play the the supply demand piece is one of the obvious factors that you could point to and we've had a big increase in immigration as well so that is going to sort of accentuate that isn't it oh 100 percent. i mean the treasury estimates for this financial year just gone was net overseas migration figures at around four hundred thousand, and that comes off the back of a historic average that's closer to two hundred and fifteen thousand. most of them are initially renters when they come to australia but but some could be filtered into purchasing due to ongoing tightness in the rental market but you've also still got a lower average number of people per household, which is added to housing demand. There could be first home buyers moving out from mum and dad's, you know, a slowdown in the delivery of new stock because of construction. So when you look at the supply demand piece at the moment, CoreLogic has observed about 105,000 new listings added to the market nationally over the three months to July, but that's compared to 123,000 sales. So if you like the absorption of those new listings that are being advertised, uh, has been really strong and, and continues to deplete total stock levels. So it seems like this would be a good time for investors. So investors starting to, to flood back into the market now because, you know, of the factors we were talking about, you know, high immigration, people leaving home, single-person households, all that sort of thing. Well, uh, funnily enough, it's actually first-home buyers that historically have been the fastest to bounce back when the market hits a trough. So even looking at the housing finance data from the ABS, that shows a 18% rebound in monthly finance for first-home buyer lending um, between February and May um, compared to the investor space, which is is higher overall, but it's um, bounced back 10%. So I think investors, and you've seen this historically through the onset of the pandemic, um, anytime there's changes around lending policy and uncertainty more broadly, I think investors are the ones who actually really hold off until there's more certainty mm. around the trajectory of rates and prices. So what does that mean for rental yields right now? Because obviously there are more attractive alternatives uh, like bonds, for example, back in fashion with uh, pretty good yields and getting better all the time. Uh, so what impact is that having on rental yields? And you know, how do rental yields now compare to previous times when interest rates were last this high? Because we are it's, it's a curious time, isn't it, that we have people wanting homes, we have less lift listings, we have more sales. Uh, a lot of things just don't seem to tally. It doesn't it seem to add up somehow. 
great, great question. I think, you know, when it comes to gross rent yields, they're pretty compressed nationally, um, sitting at 3.8%. And they've started to, they, they were lifting to sort of pre-pandemic norms as you've had this uh, vast increase in rent values compared to a property market downswing. But I think that maybe the relationship between gross rent yields, which after all are, are just considering the property purchase value, not necessarily the interest cost, there's a bit of an overblown uh, relationship, I think, um, that that is talked about between rent yields and property investment, uh, particularly in Australia. You know, around half of investment property holders are negatively geared. Your biggest investment markets, Sydney and Melbourne, have the most compressed rent yields of 2 to 3% uh, over the past decade. So I think capital growth is much more important to a lot of investors, unless you've got a very particular strategy and maybe you're buying in a resource-based market buying a really cheap property and getting very high rental return, um, I I tend to think capital growth is more important. Uh, And in terms of how that compares with the past, you know, if if we go back to 2012, that's probably most comparable in terms of the cash rate uh, in early 2012 was 4.25%. Gross rent yields were in fact a little bit higher then, 4.8%. Uh, and property values were lower. So that's probably why your gross rent yields are, are looking higher at that period of time. So what that means is there's a lot more risk now. Uh, the last time the underlying cash rate was this high, the housing debt to income ratio was mm. at 118. Now it's 144. Right. So as well as high interest costs, I think you, you're really asking borrowers to take on quite a bit more risk too. Right. So they're not going to make massive investments then, which sort of raises the question, of, is it going to be more units rather than houses and first-time buyers uh, in the more pricey cities are probably not going to be able to afford houses, so they're going to be looking at units too. So how is that mix changing between houses and units now in, in our capital cities? Uh, between houses and units, I guess you could say the pandemic period was very much defined by a preference for detached houses. And that was both a reflection of the fact that people wanted more space, but also owner-occupiers were just a lot more dominant through that cycle. We're starting to see a little bit of a pivot away from detached houses now, but not much. You know, the, the premium on detached houses is still very high. If you look at the monthly growth rate for July between houses and units, they're pretty much on par. Um, so 0.7% for both national houses and units in the month of July. And in fact, houses, because it's the more expensive asset and more expensive housing assets tend to be more volatile, it's actually also having a faster upswing at the moment, um, up 3% in the quarter compared to 2.5% across units. And uh, Sydney versus the rest, you know, nothing's going to stop Sydney house prices rising. But I mean, they they have slowed, haven't they? And they've had a you know bigger fall compared to Melbourne, but they obviously they're coming back. But what about Brisbane? You know, that place that Sydney side has moved when they can't afford Sydney anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, and I know the- a lot of people like that. Oh, absolutely. And it's reflected in migration figures as well. Um, Brisbane's had a really good month. So values were up 1.4% in July. Even just going back and looking at the past three years, you know, house values across the Brisbane dwelling market are up around 25%. 
um, compared to about 15% across the Sydney housing market. And it's fair to say that in recent months, momentum has been knocked out more from the Sydney market with a recent peak in monthly growth at 1.8%. Um, that's a that's slowed to just a 0.9% uplift. Whereas if you look at Brisbane, it's sort of maintained that 1.4, 1.3% growth rate over the past three months. And I think what you've hit on there, Phil, is exactly right, that when we do see affordability constraints for Sydney, that's when we start to see this spillover in demand, not just to Brisbane, but to the big regional centres like Newcastle, the Southern Highlands, Shoalhaven area. Uh, and, and I know I'm definitely hearing, you know, just my friends and, you know, people who are looking to buy a home are starting to look right, in those that, markets that, again. That, that implies that in the big capitals, in particular in Sydney, we're starting to reach the ceiling, which is sort of leads to the question because, you know, for as long as we can all remember – House prices have always risen in Australia. You know, they may go down, but as we said earlier, they come back stronger. And that is not always the case in every part of the world. Okay, they, you know, generally do rise. But if you look at it in line with inflation, maybe the increment is is not so great and you might be better off investing in shares. But in Australia, we all, we, we seem to love buying houses. Is that always going? I mean, no, this is the million-dollar question. I'm not expecting a black-and-white answer. It'd be great if you gave me one. Is that always going to be the case in Australia? Uh, I think there's real potential that we just won't see the same booming Uh, conditions for your largest housing markets that we saw throughout the 2010s. Um, There are a lot of factors at play. Migration comes into play and and the broader supply demand factors. There's even um, the larger sort of, you know, what's happening in industry and employment. So when you say something like Australian house prices have always gone up, we know that that's very much not the case in a city like Perth, for example, where they've only just eclipsed record highs from 2014 and actually had a massive decline of around 20% between 2014 and 2019. Interest rates were then at a record low, by the way, and that was really just due to the kind of unravelling in economic conditions associated with the mining bust. Right, I mean, which is a very industry-specific thing for Western Australia, wasn't it? Whereas perhaps elsewhere, I mean, affordability is becoming the big question mark. Are we uh, hitting that affordability ceiling? But a, a, a final question, what surprised you over the – I mean, we've been through an interesting couple of years, haven't we? So no one really knew – I mean, I still feel like we're having difficulty mapping out where we go from here. But what has surprised you over the last year? What what trends are you seeing emerge that, uh, you know, perhaps you weren't expecting to see? What has been amazing to me and something that we've been looking at as almost an indicator of risk is the July uplift in new listings decisions. So from June to July, we've seen an increase in listings that have been pretty concentrated across Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, where they've gone up 4% in the month. And that's just so unusual for this time of year. Usually listings would fall about 2% between June and July because of the seasonal winter slowdown, people traveling abroad. It's just not happening this year. This could be because there's been a bit of a home value recovery. People are more enticed to sell. Um, It's a catch up in listings from a lackluster selling season last year. Anecdotally, agents have been telling me that they're encouraging people to get their property on the market ahead of spring. 
Uh, and it could even be some people experiencing this rapid increase in their mortgage payments and going, you know, I can't afford my mortgage, so maybe it is it is a better time to sell. So uh, that is something that could also have contributed to the slowdown in price growth over July and a trend that we'll be watching very closely. Eliza, it's been great having you on. I'm sure we'll talk to you again on the uh, the Morning Call Weekend Edition soon. Uh, thanks for being the first one on. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. There we are. She is so much more fun, isn't she, than those grumpy analysts that NAB gets me talking to during the week. Uh, I jest, of course. We, we love them all. Uh, and uh, lots to take out from that. And next week on the Weekend Edition, we talk Australian shares with the not at all grumpy Gemma Dale from NAB Trade, just as the Australian uh, season earnings season gets underway. So there'll be lots to talk about there. And I am back on Monday morning with the regular Market Daily, The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your weekend. The Weekend Edition. 